Aspen Gold, baby. That's how I started my day today with Boyer's Coffee. I do it every day. You can get Boyer's throughout the stadium. You can get Boyer's at your house. Go to boyerscoffee.com and they'll deliver any product you want right to your front door. Told you many times, that's how I get it done. Also, if you're ever up on the north side, 73rd in Washington, the food truck's there. And the last Friday of every month, they have all kinds of... uh, drink specials and food specials as well Uh, go to their website because there's always something going on there also again it's boyerscoffee.com they've been brewing coffee at the top of the food chain can i say that i guess i did since 1965 they're outstanding and they're a great community partner it's boyerscoffee.com so i was looking at my garage the other day and i said man i got to power wash things and and clean up some of the dirt from the winter. It's that time of year. And who better to help you out than Steel, S-T-I-H-L. They have power pressure washers that'll get that job done for you lickety split. And they also have, as you know, chainsaws and trimmers and blowers and everything to get your house, your property looking spiffy this spring. Because uh, the summer months are almost upon us and you want to make sure you get all those chores done and stay on top of them with steel products, S-T-I-H-L. And you want to see how many they have? I hope you have some time. Go to Steel Dealers or SteelUSA.com and uh, you'll be blown away, literally, by uh, how many products they have and how many things will help you in your life keeping that home looking extra special. S-T-I-H-L, SteelDealers.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Drew and Ryan Spielborgs discuss one of the big controversies facing the sport of baseball today. RBI or RBIs? RBIs. Beautiful. I love you. You can add an S to an acronym. Stop trying to be the smartest person in the room. They're RBIs. They've been RBIs forever. Also, what's wrong with the Rockies? We haven't seen clean baseball from the Rockies now for two weeks. Is the legendary Hall of Fame San Francisco Giants broadcaster John Miller. Uh, my dad introduced me to the, the Giants baseball on the radio when I was a kid. But that, then I, he got me a scorebook, and a, I would listen to a game on the radio and keep score. And you thought you were a baseball nerd. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is podcast number 151, and we come to you from an auxiliary radio booth at PNC Park in Pittsburgh. And I've dragged my uh, partner, Ryan Spielborgs, aboard because the Rockies have just fallen 10 to 5, but we refuse to start out with negativity. We have beautiful views on a beautiful day. And you know what we learned? We learned what a pierogi was this weekend right or this week yeah so it's a essentially it's a polish ravioli it's uh they use pastry bread it was very tasty uh, apparently you boil it it's a polish delicacy i was i was really interested to find out like where could we go get a good pierogi and i found out they're really hard to come by especially in this community there's a there's a large amount of polish immigrants that live in pittsburgh and they said the best place to go get a a traditional pierogi is at church on Sundays. The, you know, some of the Polish grandmas in this area will 
bring pierogies by the hundreds and you can get your pierogies there. So they boil them and then they throw them in a pan with some butter. They're delicious. Potato, cheese, onions. That's basically how it is. They reminded me almost a little Blintzies. I, I loved Blintzies growing up. And you can also get them with, from what I understand, applesauce in them. So I like the potato and I like the applesauce. And next time that we're here on a weekend, we'll have to find a church service at, at a at a church that is predominantly populated by people of Polish descent, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, again, I, I love, just like you do, we love visiting cities and towns and learning about their culture and you know i i had no idea what in the world a pierogi was let alone watching pierogies run on the warning track at pnc was i was like okay i'm into the sausage race i get what a sausage is i like the president's race it's fun um i'm really glad that we don't have our tooth trot anymore like from, from, <laughs> from a personal level <laughs> but pierogies running i i openly asked on air last night I was like, "What in the world's a pierogi?" I have no idea. It must. I must have had like, like thirty messages from people that thought I was a buffoon, which I am. But they gave me all the answers, so now I feel like I'm educated on Pittsburgh culture and Polish pierogies. Oh, I thought it was only me that was getting vilified for not knowing what a pierogi was. So, you, so you got ridiculed as well. That's good. I mean, like that isn't that the whole nature of our business? Is you know, as a broadcaster, you speak on a game, and anytime you say any sort of mistake, I mean, I t- I say people's names wrong, I say batting average is wrong, I call pitches wrong. Nobody calls me out on that, but Lord forbid I say something about a pierogi, and I get like, I get you know, having it rake through the coals. RBI or RBIs? RBIs. Beautiful. I love you. I, I know. I always. It bothers me. Like it's not an. You can you can add an S to an acronym. That's how it works in the dictionary in grammar. That's like it's not a UF. I don't just see a UFO. They're UFOs. They're plural. I've seen we and you and I last night when we walk around very often late at night we see multiple UFOs. Yes. Yeah, so this whole notion of like it's an RBI. Like he has eighteen RBI. Stop. They're plural. He has multiple RBI. They're RBIs. Stop trying to be the smartest person in the room. They're RBIs. They've been RBIs forever. What else can we say positive before we have to talk about uh, the two of three in Pittsburgh that the Rockies came up short? We love the Allegheny River. And I think we're getting closer and closer to finding out uh, the Rocky City Connect jerseys that are going to be coming out soon. That's I believe we get it to learn next about week. it next week. Next week. Next week. All right, man. Um, we're off to Washington, and um, I am looking forward to the president's race each day. I love the president's race. Um, I like the, the sausage race. I like the legends race in Arizona. Was not big on the tooth trot. I'm glad that is a thing of the past. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness. I've, I've been thinking about different versions of Rockies. Uh, could you do a Rockies legends race? Yeah, you could do the Blake Street Bombers. I think people would like that. Or... You know, Helton and uh, whoever else you want. I like it. I think the Legends race is, is fitting for each organization. I think a lot of teams have tried really hard to do these races. That's why I appreciate the freeze in Atlanta. It's something different. you got a world-class sprinter that's running from foul pole to foul pole. That's fun. Would you be offended? I'm just thinking because, you know, there's not something that jumps out at you 
with Colorado, I mean, you could do, I, I guess, 14ers, you know, you could have your, your, your top four 14ers racing and people running in, in a peak, but you could do, you know, Blake Street Bombers, plus, if you don't mind, like Spilly, and you never win. <laughs> Right. But like like there's an August day that the that, you know, Bichette and Burks and Walker, they trip and fall. And all of a sudden you win. It would be great. The crowd would erupt. Yeah, maybe, Are you in? I'm, I'm in. But I mean, I I don't want to be the butt of every single joke every time I'm at Coors Field. So well, you are already. You, we have we haven't made you aware of that. <laughs> no, it's fair. I mean, there's times you do feel like a bit of a mascot. So why not? Why not commission some new mascots to run a, a Rockies Legends race? It would be fitting for for I think the Legends race. Every organization could do that. I think I'm okay with that versus trying to come up with some form of like things to race against each other. Use your old players and make it fun. Yeah, you know, I wasn't going to keep you around, but since we have to catch the bus in a few minutes, um, I am going to transition very quickly. Disappointing. The Rockies were up today as we taped this four to nothing and five to two against a team. Just being honest, that's not good offensively in Pittsburgh, lowest scoring team in the National League, and they and they could not put it away, and they end up losing, going away ten to five. And, and here's the dark side: that's now six consecutive series lost as you get ready uh, to go to Washington. Uh, the pen did not get it done in, in game three. And that's kind of been an ongoing issue for the Rockies, not only this year, but you go back to the last couple of years. Yeah, I, a couple things. I mean, we haven't seen clean baseball from the Rockies now for two weeks. And I think the, the record reflects it. Run differential reflects it. We're not seeing quality defense consistently. We're not seeing quality of bats consistently. You have a handful of guys that will take – you know, high quality of bat. You know, we, we talk about Connor Joe all the time. Like, look at look at the quality of a bat that he's giving. Um, so it's not just result for me. Like that, something that we 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 say all. I don't I don't care about the results all the time. I want them to win, but there's a process to it, or there's something that you're noticing. Their first pitch strikes, or you know, not swinging at pitches outside the strike zone, and the last two weeks we're just not seeing across the board quality pitches quality strikes being thrown the walks the defense the pace of play where even the defense is kind of on the field for a long period of time probably you know time of possession right now is totally on the visiting side and it all adds up it's bad baseball the Rockies are playing bad unsynchronized baseball with good players and that's the part that we get frustrated from from that standpoint of watching this is you know there's there's players on the field that other teams envy and would love to have this guy on their on their ball club so it's not lack of talent it's just lack of putting it together as a group you know the rockies went out and they got chris bryant in the offseason they talked openly about addressing the the power outage which you never would have thought of back in your day you wouldn't have thought it uh you know we referenced the blake street bombers the rockies always hit home runs right well they haven't been hitting home runs and you and i arrived at the ballpark today and we kind of looked at each other when we were comparing notes and we said you know holy shit they haven't hit a home run on the road since the latter part of april when cj crone in game three of four at philadelphia hit a home run nine plus games and crone fittingly broke it with a home run today 
you're going to have periods, Bill. You know, you played this game. You're going to have periods where even guys who hit a lot of homers don't hit homers. You can't go nine plus games without running into one. It just puts so much strain on an offense. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And for this team, I mean, we saw three consecutive games not an earned run scored for the Rockies, and then they scored five, and that was it. I mean, but and they strung some bats together. There's some singles there. But you're not getting the walk, the broken bat, three-run jack, which is huge. I mean, that's a crooked run, crooked inning in baseball is, is a big deal. That's why the home run is so important in our sport. It's also really hard to get. And do I think there's home run hitters in the Rockies lineup? Yeah. Uh, you know, is is McMahon a 30 home run guy? He has 30 home run potential, but he hasn't he hasn't done that. Is Crone 30 home run guy? Yeah, sure. Charlie used to be, he's not a 30 home run power anymore. And like, hopefully you recognize that. I think Gritchick is a 20 home run guy. Okay. But then where's the rest of them? I think we were expecting to see Diaz with some more power. He certainly has it, but he's a 15 to 20. Brennan Rogers, is he going to be a 20 home run guy? I think we expect him to, but right now he's on pace to hit 12. So where, where's your, where are your homers coming from and where's the threat of them? And, other than CJ Crone, there really isn't a threat right now. We haven't seen a threat the entire season. I mean, there there really hasn't been a threat of a home run. Yeah, and you're going to be without Bryant for a period of time. You've already been without him for a period of time. The back's not right. You know from playing this sport, uh, you can't. It's a rotational sport. The back's involved in everything you do. He's got to get it right. It can't be well. It's about 85%. Maybe that works in a postseason where you get through it. It doesn't work now. It does no good for him to come back for two days and then re-injure it. He's got to get right, even if it takes, honestly, another three or four weeks. Yeah, where where you are in the season right now, I mean, you're you're still in May. And it's a long year. I mean, that's that's a that's a part of I me. Mean, what have we played? Almost forty games. You still have one hundred and twenty-two left to go. Come on. So it's a long, long season. And in the case of Chris Bryant, does he bring some stability to the lineup? Sure. Did he hit a home run when he in seventeen games? No. Do I think he's got homers in him? Do I think he's a 20, 25 guy? Yes, I do. Um, and I think once he starts stacking those those at bats one after another. Uh, it takes a little bit more pressure off Crone. It takes a little more pressure off McMahon. Takes a little more pressure off Rogers, and now you'll start to see almost like a floodgate where the those offensive power numbers will pop up. But that's a big issue for the Rockies right now. They're not getting doubles, they're not hitting homers, and they're not stealing bases. So all those things add up to you have to string four or five at bats together to score a run. Yeah, especially out on the road. So because we always aspire to be positive. Before we depart the Rockies as a subject, I really like what I saw from Ryan Feltner. I, I liked what I saw in Philadelphia. I know he didn't get the win in, in Philadelphia, ended up giving up four runs in five innings, but seven strikeouts in Philly, seven strikeouts today. You saw plus fastball, one with a lot of life. You saw secondary pitches where he wasn't sharp with it, but you know it's in there because you saw a biting curveball. You saw good movement on a slider. He didn't land as many as he would like. But I'm excited about the upside because it's legit. With, with it's not, hey, he had a nice outing and you know he fortunately uh, you know hit some edges. There, there's legitimacy to Ryan Feltner's stuff. Yeah, we we saw a couple couple swings on fastballs straight through the strike zone where guys weren't even close to it. I mean, Q. Brian Hayes is a really good hitter. 
doors got blown off on the fastball multiple times. So I, I want to see, and in the case of Feltner, he threw only a handful of days ago, so it wasn't like he had full rest for the start. I'm not making an excuse for him. I, I want to see him build. So we, we talk about building that momentum. He's got nothing to prove right now in AAA based on his stats that we looked at. He's been dominant, flat out dominant of AAA. So give him give him the chance. Let him settle in. Uh, I know Sensatella is going to be working on on coming back, but I'd like to see two, three starts from Feltner and see what he's really capable of doing. Build that momentum up. Let him get comfortable at throwing strikes. He was really inefficient in the middle portion of the game. So you can clean that part up just through experience. I mean, it's not like he's got to go out and, like, reinvent anything. Just pound the strike zone. You know what? I've said this so many times, and I'm going to say it, you know, 10,000 more times in my career. The sport never changes. You know it, Spilly. It is always about pitching. It's been that way from 10-year-olds on up. When you watch Tatum play and, he, and he's playing 11-year-old baseball, it's, if little Johnny can shove on the mound, little Johnny's team wins. It doesn't change even at this level. So the more you have of guys that have high ability, like Feltner, the better the Rockies will be in the long term. Yeah, no question. So that's it has to be a calling card for the Rockies. It has been with under Bud Black is that they are trying to get their pitching to throw strikes. And if you start adding stuff to it, which we're starting to see some stuff, you know, young Ryan Feltner has stuff. It's electric. Okay, so what's the next guy going to look like? Because when you start adding to Herman and even Chad Cool's stuff is good. Kyle Freeland's is, just, you know, like there's some stuff here. So put it together. Yeah. All right. Now we segue to hockey because you're now Mr. Hockey. I just made you that. I've seen a lot of fantastic things in sports and rising to the top of that list somewhere. Maybe not number one, but somewhere up there, Nazem Kadri, who has been vilified by St. Louis, and understandably from this perspective, he has historically been a guy that plays on the edge and has made some questionable hits, including the one last year against St. Louis, and he paid a price. He was suspended for eight games. His hit on Bennington, and I talked to or listened to people I respect in the game of hockey. And they said that was not a dirty hit. It was a bad result. Crashing into Bennington, the defenseman, uh, w- was right on him. Paul Bissonnette, who does not – he works for Turner. He's a former NHL player. He's a tough guy. Uh, I listened to him not only on Turner, but I listened to his podcast. And he said absolutely was not a dirty hit. Now, this guy, talking about Kadri. I mean, he was public enemy number one in St. Louis. Some people, because that's a society we live in, go way overboard, uh, racist comments, et cetera. And there's a difference, Billy. You've been the, you know, you've been on the other side of being in visiting ballparks, in tough ballparks, Dodger Stadium, Philadelphia. It's different being the villain in baseball when or football or any other sport hockey because hockey is violent by nature it it still kind of wraps its arms around controlled violence and for Kadri to go into St. Louis in that atmosphere and not only help his club win but be the first star with a hat trick of which there was only one other hat trick in the history of the avalanche of the postseason that was otherworldly wasn't it I mean, I was first off, I was disgusted by 
what I saw his family go through, his wife going through it, uh, threats, the, the fact that, you know, we're still name calling and we're going to religion and we're, you know, we're looking at somebody's creed and the race and, and we're marginalizing them. If, if not, you know, looking at them in a way that's, it's beyond the pale, right? Like our, our world right now is upside down in so many different reasons. And this just disgusts me to the highest level. I mean, you're, you're competing. It's a competition. It's a sport. You're allowed to be passionate as a fan. You're allowed to be upset when a team loses. You're allowed to have all these feels, be happy when they win, sad when they lose, disappointed, you know, by certain play. I get that. But when it comes to like threatening a family and threatening kids and, and a wife and, you know, for, for Kadri to try to play under the, I'm like, come on, like, what the hell are we doing? There's so many times that I'm like, what the hell are we doing? Um, that's got to stop. And, and it's not just a St. Louis thing. I'm not going to point at just the No, same. it's not. It's in, it's in every city. You've seen it in every city. It's not just, oh, they're bad fans here. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, and the ugliness, the perspective in life, the perspective of sport needs to exist. Yeah, and, and that's where, gosh, I mean, I could only imagine what it felt like for Kadri and his family. Uh, it, probably felt, Sorry. it probably felt bittersweet. Right, like, because you want to score those goals, you want to help your team win, and you also want to, you know, like that type of rhetoric has no state, no place in sports, let alone in our culture. And like, you could imagine where, you know, Kadri, I'm sure, was delighted to score, but it hurt. Like that probably hurt him. You know, thinking about like the people were saying that stuff and about his family going through all that stuff, it was. It probably wasn't an enjoyable feeling. He was probably happy that his team won, but to think about the 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 pretense of why they were there and what he was going through—that's not an enjoyable celebration. That's still a big, you know, like what are we doing? Like that's that's yeah. that's the part where you can imagine, like that's those are teammates embracing the guy after a game, not like, hey, I'm proud of you for scoring three goals. Hey, I'm proud of you for reacting. The way you did and, and being above that, that's not that's not sport. So no. that's the frustrating part. You cannot let the actions of a few, and I still believe you're talking about uh, a, a very small minority of people that go there. You cannot let the actions of a few paint the world as dark as sometimes it appears. And again, how he responded was outstanding. And he was assaulted. It wasn't just – yeah. he was assaulted on the ice, and that's a whole nother can of worms because the fact – okay, five on three, and then, the, and then the officials went and tried to even things up as if – there should have been a match penalty on Perone. So anyhow, I, I was blown away. I know you were because we watched the game together with how Kadri played. Very quickly because we got to transition. We got to get on bus too. Got to transition to John Miller. When you think of John Miller, the Hall of Fame broadcaster, what's the first thing that comes to mind? He does the best Vin Scully impersonation. That's what I think of. He does a Vin Scully impersonation of Vin ordering fast food, and it makes me laugh every single time. He's a legend. So you can look that up on YouTube. So that's a great lead-in to our Ideal Home Loans guest of the week interview of the week the incomparable hall of fame broadcaster of the san francisco giants john miller this is 
40 or 41 years in Major League Baseball, somewhere about there, John, right? 1974 was my first year broadcasting Major League Baseball, so uh, what I like to say is, uh, gee, that's, uh, that's more than 20 years ago, so that's as far as I go with it, but uh, so that is uh, it's quite a few years ago. I was 22 years old, and you know, one of the luckiest human beings on the planet because uh, I had already been working at a small TV station in Santa Rosa, which is about 50 miles north of the Golden Gate Bridge up in the, the wine country. And uh, the TV station went broke, and I went down to Candlestick Park with one of our uh, engineers, and we sat in an empty booth, and I broadcast a couple of Giants-Phillies games because I thought, I, I, what I really want to do is baseball, so I'll see if I can get a tape together. And I sent it out to every AAA team that existed at the time. And then every major league team that I read in the papers uh, was going to have a broadcast change. So one of those was Oakland, and I that was the one that I thought, well, I live here. I know how it works here. And Charlie Finley, the owner of the team, is in Chicago. He always hires somebody that he knows from Chicago or, or near and, uh, you know, he'd had Harry Carey came out, worked with Monty Moore. He had uh, uh, Bob Elson and Red Rush, who'd done the White Sox games. Uh, all these different people. Uh, Jim Woods, who'd been with the Cardinals and before that a long time with the Pirates. And But he fired Jim Woods, and he fired them all. Uh, Charlie, at that time, 1974, had owned the team for 14 years, and he'd had 14 different broadcasters. And everybody got, got fired. So, and I thought, well, he's never heard of me. He's not going to hire me. But then I thought, what are you doing? Probably none of these people are going to hire you. So send one to everybody. Because if you don't send anything, you're definitely not going to get the job. Well, that was the one job that I got. And it was because Charlie had had a heart attack after the World Series. They beat the Mets in the series the year before. And after that, he had a heart attack. So he was recuperating and... He had fired Jim Woods already, and he, at one point, had his secretary pack up all the audition tapes, send it to Monty, and he said, Monty, pick four or five of those that you like and play them for me over the phone, and we'll get this done. So Monty was somebody who felt like, even though there were 200 and something of these tapes, that if somebody took the trouble to make a tape, then at least he could take the time to, to listen to him. Now, maybe he only listened to him for 45 seconds. You could make a judgment pretty quickly on some of them. Uh, but that's probably the only reason he listened to mine, because I was this unknown. I was 22 years old. Right. I was this unknown guy from uh, had been working in Santa Rosa at a small TV station that nobody even knew existed. It was on the air for an, a year, and it went broke. So, But he listened to mine because of that ethic, and he liked it. And he started calling people that I had listed on my resume as references. And they all said good things about me. And, uh, and so he called me and, and, and brought me in. The, the cool thing about that was he asked me if I had a tape of a game. So I had like a three-hour game with the Giants and Phillies. It was a good game. And so I said, yeah, I, I can bring that. So I brought that whole th three hours of cassettes and whatnot. And so he talked to me for two and a half, three hours. And then called me the next morning and said, can you come back to the Coliseum? And I said, yeah. And uh, first thing he told me was, I listened to that whole game. And he says, any professional can 
make a tape for 10, 15 minutes of their best stuff and sound good. Uh, but I listened to three hours, and there were the catcher had to you know, go get some equipment repaired. There was four or five minutes at a time where there was no game going on. And, and you were all by yourself, and you kept the whole thing moving the whole time. So anyway, we're offering you the job. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, uh, but it was only because Marty was the one involved. And I've never had uh, an experience like that at any other time in my career. So so they offer you a job, you're a kid. You have a historic season, right? They, they won the World Series the year I was there for the third consecutive year. Right. You know, the Giants just had this stretch where they won three World Series in five years, which was pretty amazing. Incredible, sure. But the A's, uh, I got there, they had just won two straight World Series, and they were almost all back. They went on and won that World Series the year I was there. And after he fired me just before the start of the next season, because I was number 15 or whatever I was, uh, and he fired me too, uh, then he gave me a World Series ring, which was still pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. G- John, you know, I've, I get this question a lot. If I get it, you've, you've had it 10,000 times. Of all the sports, which is your favorite to do? And the way I answer it is is thusly. Baseball, because it allows you to be anecdotal and really tell stories. And I think at the end of the day, most of us are want to be storytellers. Basketball's great. Hockey's great. Football, uh, I, I love doing football because it's event-driven. Every game is important. But baseball lends itself to storytelling. Is that why you first fell in love with it? Uh, I, I just remember listening to baseball. Uh, my dad introduced me to the, uh, Giants baseball on the radio when I was a kid. Uh, the Giants got out there in 58 from New York when I was I was six years old, so I didn't hear anything the first couple of years. And by the time I was nine or ten, then I started paying attention. Then he'd make little wagers with me, you know, for like a quarter about uh, who would win this game or if Willie Mays would hit a home run or whatever. So then I would get a little more interested in hearing every but then I he got me a scorebook and I would listen to a game on the radio and keep score and uh, and I was I, I we're, we're making a move right now from a house into a condo so we're trying to get rid of a lot of stuff purge a lot and I found all these old programs uh, from the 60s uh, from Candlestick Park of games that I was at. And I wasn't broadcasting them. I was just a teenager. and But including Willie Mays hitting his 535th home run, uh, you know, tying a, an all-time record and, and whatnot. And I, I wrote it down. I, I had a game in 68, the, the year the A's came out. I wanted to see Mickey Mantle play. and Because I grew up with Willie Mays. And now all of a sudden, here's Mickey Mantle in town. And I didn't, you know, I was 16 years old. I didn't know that. Mickey Mantle was broken down and was going to retire at the end of the year and all that. But he hit a home run in, in the game that I saw. I've told that story a few times on the air because uh, I remember where he hit it at the Coliseum and whatnot. And now, a few weeks ago, I find that program, and there it is. I was keeping score. I didn't even remember keeping score. and But I was broadcasting that game onto a tape recorder because by that time I bought a tape recorder was trying to play by play myself, yeah. and and I instantly realized, uh, as much as I love sports and love baseball, it's so much more fun being involved in every pitch, and uh, 
recounting what the guy did in his last at bat and how this game has uh, been progressing and, and the, the little twists and turns and whatnot. So then I didn't ever want to go to the Coliseum or to Candlestick without my tape recorder and go find some empty spot somewhere. And there were a lot of empty spots in those days. There uh, still are. <laughs> <laughs> the Coliseum, uh, it's like the old days again. Nobody's there. But uh, So I would find a spot. And usually I'd bring somebody from high school with me and they'd be my partner, and I would print out commercials that I'd find from ma- magazines and whatnot. A lot of them had were alcohol-related, you know. So, uh, uh, but anyway, the uh, that was what I really thought. Then I would listen to them afterward, and uh, like it was a game on the radio, trying to critique myself: is, uh, is this any good? And I th- then, of course, you know, I was fifteen or sixteen, what it was, I guess sixteen, seventeen, and thinking, well, I should be doing these games right now I'm ready right now you know so but the, the fact that I'm only 16 17 they're, they're working against me but uh, so anyway uh, so that was really I think where uh, baseball uh, as I got to the point where I was seriously trying to make a living in broadcasting then I, I realized I need to just get a job uh, so if I'm a disc jockey a newsman sportscaster doing high school football I didn't really care what it was I, I realized I just really enjoyed broadcasting sure. and I got offered a job in Lake Tahoe a radio station on the second floor of a casino Harris Club but I got another offer at the same time for a TV station in Santa Rosa and then I thought well TV is probably more the future so it'd probably be smarter and I was going to do the there was six o'clock news, do the sports on that, and then they they did a lot of sports as well. And uh, uh, and during that time, uh, the station went on the air, and I wrote a letter to Charlie Finley, who also owned the hockey team, the California Golden Seals yeah. in the NHL. And I didn't talk to anybody, the management of the station. I just sent him a letter, thinking I'd never hear from him, uh, saying that we had a TV station. I saw that nobody was televising their games. Uh, maybe we could. So he calls me at this at the studios and I talked to him for a few minutes and I said I, I, I really need to put you on with the management to, so I go tell the guy real quick Charlie Finney's on the phone I have to talk to you about this later but I sent him a letter and now he wants us to televise his games so uh, so he got on and he st- spoke to Charlie for 20 minutes and we did yeah. it's a little more complex I think in these days in getting uh, those uh, those deals done with, uh, well, with teams it was it was totally berserk but uh, uh, and we told him he wanted us to do all the road games. We said, "But we're just this little small town TV station. We could do some home games, and that's what we did. We drove our remote truck down. I was in the truck, and they set up a couple of cameras, and then I sat up in the press box and broadcast the game. We taped it, drove it back to Santa Rosa, and ran it the next night. And uh, I did mispronounce puck my very first game, which was was there an F involved? I. <laughs> You know, in baseball, you can mispronounce ball. You know, he's under it, and he, he drops the fall or the ball. Uh, beg your pardon. Uh, in hockey, it's a little more problematic. Uh, you mispronounce puck, you know. But uh, the uh, uh, So anyway, the uh, uh, and they had just been complimenting me. He says, wow, we're so impressed. It's your first game, we know that, but it sounds like you've been doing this for years. And, oh, yeah, I know, I know. Thanks so much, thanks so much. I, I was 20 years old. I was just a kid, but uh, but now I was doing big league hockey. Now, now my goal at that time was, I want to do NHL hockey. I want to 
do that for a living. So whatever I could figure out that would, would pay, uh, this is what I wanted to do. We'll have more with San Francisco Giants longtime broadcaster John Miller in a moment. But first, this for our good friends at Ideal Home Loans. Brent Ivinson's team, terrific at what they do, and they've been doing it for more than 20 years in Colorado, and they've been doing it for a while down in Arizona. They help you save you money, and they help you navigate the crazy real estate market that we currently uh exist in. And we know that interest rates have gone up. uh, So they're adept at, again, helping you save money or giving you a game plan for how to purchase that next house. Or perhaps it's to make the current home uh, even nicer and you're doing a home project. You got to give them a call. 303-867-7000. You'd be foolish to not Give them a shout and see if uh, they can help you in whatever your project is. It's uh, 303-867-7000, Ideal Home Loans. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau because they're outstanding at helping you. 303-867-7000, Ideal Home Loans. Now back to our interview with John Miller. One of the one of my favorite things, John, in, in listening to you, great command of the language, and also great command of phrases, at least in other languages. And I think that the people who have listened to you, you know, in a home run, you're getting adios poloto. Did that? What was the origin of that? It really started with Sammy Sosa, and we had uh, Sosa McGuire hitting all those home runs in the, the late '90s, and we were going to have a Sunday night game in Chicago, and I had seen the movie uh, the, the Natural with Robert Redford. Just saw it recently, guy. Every time I, I'm flicking through and I see The Natural, I stop. Yeah, so, so, me too. I, I, the Natural's on, I pick it up, and I, that's what I'm doing now. But Redford, good hitter. He, and he had a good swing. He was a legitimate, he was Legit- a legitimate ball player. Uh, Barry Levinson was the director, and he put a soundtrack down for the editors as the play-by-play man. When it came, it came time to hire somebody to do the play-by-play. They said, "Well, just use what you used. It sounds you sound like one of those old-time broadcasters." So that's what they did. Barry Levinson was the old play-by-play broadcaster, and then when a guy hit a home run, he said, "Goodbye, Mister Spalding." And uh, so I thought, so may what? What if I had like a uh, goodbye, adios, Senor Pelota, or something like that? And because uh, Sammy's Hispanic and they said uh, they pointed out to me well pelota is feminine in Spanish so you couldn't call it senor you could call it senorita or senora or whatever but then I thought well that's not it needs to be kind of macho when he hits a 450 foot home run so I just came out how about if I just said goodbye ball you know so so I did and Sammy liked it and a few years later we had Pablo Sandoval on the Giants and he hit a home run and Pablo was so popular amongst Giants fans because the Giants were just getting good again with these young guys out of the farm system like Pablo and Tim Lincecum and Matt Cain and this group of uh, really outstanding young players and so I I just Pablo hit a home run I said adios pelota and the next day I see him uh, on the field and and Pablo says adios pelota I like that I like that Yeah. so I said okay Pablo hits a home run. I'm going to use that. And uh, 
then any Giants Hispanic player hit a home run, I, I used it. Yeah, I, I have one that it happened organically, and you know, take a good look. You won't see it for long, and and I, you know, when I can tell right away it's a home run, I'll I'll roll with it. You, you know what? One of my favorite John Miller stories, because to me it's it, it's so you, and and you're very extemporaneous and very quick witted. Was and and this happens to every broadcaster. I believe it was a Hunter Pence home run that initially you were, it was a grand slam crediting to Buster Posey. Yeah. And take us through that in mid-sentence, what you did, because it was genius. It, it, it was opening day. Right. And it was just like the story I was just talking about. Um, I, maybe we didn't have any Hispanic guys in the lineup at all. And very exciting moment, like maybe the eighth inning of a game. It turned the game around, and, and I think it was against the Dodgers. So, uh, so Hunter hits a grand slam, and I start getting into this. Uh, but and the, the real mistake I made was thinking about what am I going to say? He's not Hispanic. Well, at that point, it's like, well, I'm just going to say it. Then I, it's he's he's, he's just hit it. I, I I can't like have a meeting with myself. So I, I just, you know, adios, palote, uh, a grand slam by Buster Posey's good friend, Hunter Pence. <laughs> I, I look at Dave Fleming sitting next to me, and David looks at me like, uh, what, are you having a nervous breakdown? What? what? And uh, so, because he really didn't know what I was doing. Like, uh, are, you, are you just... This is like the big moment of the opening day. And uh, so the, the funny thing was is that, I mean, everybody knew I screwed it up, but uh, everybody kind of liked the way I was recovering from it. Uh, Marty Brenneman sent me a, uh, a note just saying, uh, that's the best recovery I've, I've, I've ever heard. Congratulations. And uh, I said, well, great. Now I'm known for screwing up and making a great recovery, you know. Okay. So, but... Hunter then changed the bio on his Twitter and Instagram feeds that said, Hunter Pence, Buster Posey's good friend. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, uh, he, he made an, an Instagram. Buster's sitting in the clubhouse on one of the couches looking at one of the big screen TVs of another game. And Hunter got up behind him and took a selfie. And his caption was, uh, Me... And my good friend, Buster Posey. And so all the players the next day, when I got to the ballpark, he says, uh, hey, Buster Posey's good friend. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. But you t you also had an opportunity in, in, a few days later to turn it around because Buster hit a home run, correct? Yeah, I, I don't remember that. But, uh, okay. but I remember... Uh, and you said Hunter Pence's yeah, good friend, yeah. Buster Posey. I, I, I did... Uh, I mean, I have a, a vague memory of that, but uh, I went for the laugh, and uh, I guess is the way to put it. But uh, anyway, so it was fun, and, and I, I think the thing that is, is to always remember it's just always for fun. I remember in Baltimore years ago at the old Memorial Stadium doing the Oriole games, and they made this great comeback in the bottom of the ninth against the Angels. They're behind 5-2, to two, and they, they, they get a run, and they get a couple of men on, and Lee Lacey was at the plate, a right-handed hitter. And Lacey hits a home run down the right field line that hits the foul pole. So uh, the uh, 
so I said something to the effect of, uh, you know, hit deep to right. I got real excited, uh, real excited. And, and I said, uh, uh, if it's fair, it's gone. It's hooking. And I'm like, hooking? He's a right-handed hitter. Uh, it, but I thought, what am I going to do? Say, no, I beg your pardon. He's a right-handed hitter. It's not hooking, of course. <laughs> it's slicing. Because you know, in about a second and a half, it's going to be either fair right. or foul. So I just said, it's slicing. And it's off the foul pole, a home run. The crowd goes nuts. So, and I didn't really think anything of it until the post-game show. I play some of the highlights of the game. And I get to that one. And then Lee Lacey came to the plate. And uh, deep to right field. It's hooking. It's slicing. It's off the foul pole, you know. And uh, and the game's over. And so I'm like, oh, my God. And uh, so I took the mic after the highlight. And I said, uh, it was truly incredible. I've never seen action on a ball like that. It was hooking. And then all of a sudden it was slicing. And wow. So uh, and then everywhere in downtown Baltimore the next day I went. It's like uh, what well, was it, hooking or slicing? Or some people were like, well, it's a right-handed hitter. That's a slice. And uh, it's a right field. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Good, good to know. Next week, listen for part two of Drew's conversation with Hall of Fame Giants broadcaster John Miller. Big, big thanks to John Miller. Always enjoy visiting with him. He's got uh, a million stories. Try to get to some of those uh, later on. Before we get on out of here and get on a plane to Washington in our nation's capital, and I'm going to buy uh, Spilly dinner tonight for joining me. We're going to have we're going to have sushi, or as Jacob or, yeah. used to call it. No, we're going to go to Old Ebbett tonight, right? We have to. We have to go to Old Ebbett, um, Old Ebbett Grill, right across from the White House. Dropping names. Trivia question: There's only been one Rocky to ever hit the ball in the Allegheny River, a river you swam across earlier in the uh, trip. Uh, it's going to be Todd Elton. Todd Elton's the only one. Uh, and the Alleghenies are actually really good for your skin. Like, to get in there, it cleanses it. I don't know what's in the water, but whatever it is, it's done wonders for my skin. Yeah, you're glowing. <laughs> you're glowing right now. Todd Helton, the only one. He bounced it in. There's only been five balls that actually landed in on a fly. Josh Bell, the last two. You have to be big and strong and left-handed to do it. Yeah, that's the only way. Uh, and what a cool idea, too. I mean, think about that. You hit a ball into the river. Sounds cool. Like right. most baseball players, like, yeah, I hit a ball into the front row. No, I hit a ball into the river. Yeah, I love this ballpark. Don't love the results of the weekend. Spilly, thanks, brother. Yep. Time to get on a bus. We'll do it again next week. We promise. Thanks, as always, for joining us. A reminder to join the uh, good folks on DNVR led by their Rockies coverage with my man Patrick Lyon. So make sure you download all the DNVR uh, stuff as well. Till next week, stay safe, love on one another, stay well. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.